Okay, so what we're talking about today uh, is kind of a broad subject, but I'm going to try to do it like as much as possible on the topic of, of Musar. And then we're going to use the term Musar a lot, uh, but let me just translate it into English. Musar is, all, is the Jewish philosophy of character improvement, becoming a better person. So I'll use the word Musar, but what it really means is character perfection, right? character improvement, character refinement, ethical perfection. Uh, and we're trying to analyze how is it, like what, what's the process that this philosophy uses in uh, identifying certain character flaws that we have within ourselves and how to address them and how to, and how to deal with them and how to hopefully improve them and even perfect them. You know, we're all composed of a collection of good and negative character. Uh, that's just the, by, by the fact that we're humans, that's, you know, that's, that's the definition of being human. You have good character, you have bad character. We'll see a little bit later on that these things are innate. You're born with it. Uh, and uh, you know, one of your responsibilities in life is to um, perfect your character. Uh, so it's really important, and we're going to try to analyze why, why, uh, the various reasons why it's important to perfect your character. Uh, we're going to try to talk about how, so how do you know what your character flaws are and how you go about to address them. Uh, and that's basically what Musar is. And I'm trying to give you like Musar in a nutshell because my brother has been giving Musar classes for like five years and doesn't repeat classes because there's a lot to talk about. You could talk about anger for three months. You know, the various aspects of anger, why someone would get angry, uh, what uh, are the proper uh, responses, why it's wrong to get angry, why it's futile to get angry, how you accomplish less, and people view you less, and people admire you less, and just and to ha- how to become how to become someone who a can control it, or can channel it, or can mask it, uh, or can perfect it. This is a big, big topic, but what we're going to try to do is do it all today, before eleven thirty. <laughs> um, When we talk about Musar also, there was, it became very, very popular in the 19th century. The, the, the term Musar, there was a Musar movement. There were like Musar institutions built. Um, it became huge, um, at least in the, like the yeshiva world, the yeshiva, like the, 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 in the scholarly world. There was like a, a Musar philosophies, various different philosophies and how to approach it. There's many, many, many Musar books written. Uh, but it's not a new idea. It's as old as the Torah itself. And I, I think that when we talk about why it's important to become a better person, why it's important to perfect yourself, I think on the top of that list has to be the fact that it's a mitzvah. And as Jews, we're obligated to fulfill the mitzvahs. And then some of the mitzvahs are give charity. You know, giving charity is going to be a challenge. It's going to be a struggle. Why? Because innately, many of us have a distaste for giving away things that we think we can use ourselves. It's hard to actually give up something um, whether it be resources, whether it be time, uh, whether it be um, part of your life, part of your identity, part of your, uh, your emotional self, because uh, some individuals, some cause. It's a hard thing. The Torah tells us you have to give charity. The Talmud tells us that the mitzvah of giving charity is equal to the whole Torah combined. It's equal to the whole Torah combined. What that means is that there's a certain element in the mitzvah of charity which is a manifestation of all of Torah. There's a certain element in this mitzvah 
which is really a, the co a core principle of all of Torah. Therefore, it's equal to all of Torah. That being that the mitzvah of charity is teaching you to be a giver, to be someone who's dedicated to others, to be someone who's not selfish, who's not self-focused. And that's perhaps one of the, 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 the core principles of the Torah, what the Torah is trying to impart to us. So it's a mitzvah. Yeah, that, that's an example of one mitzvah. Uh, and you know, in, in order for someone to be genuinely uh, a giver, to be someone who gives charity, gives, um, uh, who's a kind person, they're going to have to work, deal with the conflict of their, um, uh, their, uh, their um, resistance. They're resistant to giving up of themselves. I don't think that your premise is hitting the nail on the head for everyone, I don't it? think that um, for peop for some people it is difficult to give it all. Yeah. I don't think that that is so. Well, I said some people. I agree, and li like we mentioned, everyone has their own collection of negative character. Uh, so while charity might be something which comes very naturally to someone, for someone else it might be very difficult. And the person who gives charity natural, well, they'll have other mitzvahs. Uh, they'll have other other challenges with mitzvahs, like. Perhaps they're more of a lazy person, or perhaps they're more insensitive to others, or uh, perhaps they are haughty and they think of themselves as being something so special, or they get quick to get angry, or they're Maybe impatient. Maybe some of these traits are gender-specific. Yeah, well, not gender-specific, but, yeah, I would agree that there's some things that are more, <laughs> are more uh, um, you know, procrastination. Yes. Who here feels that they procrastinate every once in a while? You know, that is a symptom of a negative character. And it's another example. But if, if someone it, uh, does not address their procrastination, if someone's lazy, Torah speaks very negatively about being lazy, about, about not having an initiative, initiative. So on one hand, we see that there's an imperative from the Torah perspective to fix that. But also, we know that you're more productive when you get things done. Procrastinating people are generally less productive. <coughs> so it has a Torah ring to it. And it also has, for us, maybe a professional ring to it as well professional, personal ring to it, because we know we'll be better at what we do, we'll be better at life even, if we are not lazy, you know, if we're proactive, if we take initiative, if we take charge, if we get things done. So I, I just gave the charity as an example, uh, but I think there's another example, let me say kindness. Kindness is more of a broad uh, element of giving, and the Torah, the, the, the Mishnah tells us is that there's three pillars, there's three pillars of, of uh uh, that hold up the world. What that means is that there's three mitzvahs that are, provide spiritual energy to the world, that the world can exist. Torah, prayer, and kindness. Right? When, when, you know, the idea of interpersonal activity, where someone's able to give to other people, it, it, it's important for the world's interdependence. No one could really do things on their own. If you were stranded on, if you were just, if, you know, if you were to do everything, well, you'd have to be a farmer, because otherwise you have no food. The idea of humans helping each other, that keeps society flowing. Uh, and it's, you know, so, so it's, it's a mitzvah, and it also has for us a, uh, you know, more of a, a easily, easier to, uh, to, to, you know, to, to see uh, benefit to it as well. So yes, I, was, I chose charity as, 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 as one example as other examples. Another example of, of where the Torah commands us to have positive character is we are told several times in the Torah that you should walk in the ways of God. Walk in the ways of God. What does that mean? The halachta bidrachav. Halachta means to walk. You shall walk. 
in his ways. What does it mean to walk in God's ways? So the Talmud explains, it says, you have to mimic God's behavior. If God is merciful, you be merciful. God is kind, you be kind. God has, has certain characteristics, the way he behaves to us. You behave to others in that same way. So I, I think that the first reason why it's important for us to have positive character is because it's a mitzvah. And as part of what God expects us to, um, you know, you know, to, to, to accomplish while, you know, while whilst we're here on, uh, on this earth. I think another aspect of this is that um, as humans, right, putting the Jewish aspect aside, as humans, what makes humans different than animals? Well, there is a lot of things. Well, we could have we have verbal uh, communication, we have intelligence, uh, but those you know those are kind of things that we have. What do we do that's different? Ability so we can be compassion. Ability to ignore our instincts. Boom, booyah, booyah. Right? Animals are instinctual; they have no other way mode of conduct. There's not, they cannot act in a way that's contrary to their instinct. Humans are instinctual as well. Right? If I go like that, someone's going to blink. Right? Why? Because that, that's pre-programmed. That's not a decision that you make. It's an instinct. And our instinct also tells us, when we're hungry, let's get some food. Right? That, that's an instinct. Uh, but a human could go on hunger strike. A human could say, I have an instinct that I want to eat, and I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Whether or not the, not to judge the merits of that decision, but the point is, is that humans have the ability to go against their instinct. Humans could do things which are damaging to their health, even to their life. Humans could do that. Animals can't, because they have just instinct. And if there's this very strong instinct of survival, there's nothing that they could do to go against that. They can't jump off of, bri- of, of bridges, provided that they know what they're doing. So. Um, Obviously, this is a good thing. This could be a good thing, and this could be a bad thing, right? We have an instinct, perhaps, of being selfish, right? But we could become greater. We could overcome that. We could go against our instinct and become a great person because we're humans, and we have the ability to go against our instinct. If someone doesn't ever engage in the struggle and the conflict of battling or dealing with their inborn, their instinctual negative character, how, how are they better than, than beasts? They're not. And we have a, the verse in, in um, um, I think it's in Psalms, where it says that, yeah, in a, to a certain sense, man is just a beast. Man, who, who uncultivated character, is no different to him. A man is not better than, than a beast. And Now, thankfully, we have parents and our parents uh, helped us to teach us manners and teach us how to be respectful. And those are things which are helping us to build us into a human, into someone who's able to go against their instinct. You know, if, if, you're, if, you know, if you're a guest by someone's house right, and you get some food on the table, right? So my parents told me, says, you wait for the person who's the homeowner, right? Who's the host? He eats, he, you know, he or she, they, they eat first and you wait, right? When you're in a meeting with someone, right? You know, if they're standing, you stand. These are just things that we learn. Even what do you mean? I want to sit. That's an instinct. 
as humans, we are trained to do things which are human, which are sometimes maybe against our instinct. And the idea of character perfection is that's what it means. It means you have an instinct, you have an inborn instinct, you want to be angry, right? It's just boom, boom. If, if you know, if I do something angry, if, you know, if someone cuts you off in the, in, you know, in the traffic, right? You have a you, you, something just gets awakened within you, some rage, and you want to just start beeping. Oh, at least I want to do that. <laughs> um, you you, you want to say some uh, uh, foul uh, words, perhaps? <laughs> right? These are instincts, right? As humans, we need to train ourselves to harness them, to harness them, perhaps to muzzle them, perhaps to channel them. Uh, either way, I think that that's the second reason why it's important for us to uh, develop the skills of character perfection. Uh, additionally, we mentioned this uh, a few weeks ago. We talked about parenting. Uh, and if someone wants to be a good parent, there's no way that they can do that unless they have good character. Otherwise, to be a parent means to have the best interests of your child uh, you know, making your decisions. Someone who has negative character, right? they have envy. They're envious of the neighbor's kid. So they they, they want their kid to be like the neighbor, right? So that's not good for the, the that's just that's just a it's an expression of the parents' negative character. And that is what's dominating their relationship with their child. You know? Uh, and I'm upset my kid didn't listen to me. Boom! Uh, you know, I'll treat him in a negative way or uh, I'll give him very harsh discipline because of my own personal anger. What do you mean? You have to have the best interest of the child at, at hand. Is the, it, what's best for the child? You can't be a good parent if you have negative character. Another one, I think that in relationships, if you look to the core of every relationship breakup or breakdown, better yet, uh, any time something goes wrong in a relationship, I want to argue that the root cause of the character uh, of, of the relationship breakdown is always going to be negative character. It's not circumstance that destroys relationships, it's character. There might be a circumstance that brings to the surface a negative character that someone has, but at the root of every single relationship breakdown, there is always, on either one side or both sides, that the root of it is always going to be a negative character, right? It could be uh, insensitivity, lack of caring, uh, impatience, right? The inability to give up of their own time or their own you know, sense of, of, of self, uh, being lazy, right? um, being, uh, uh, being um, uh, t- taken at revenge, uh, being... Uh, vengeful means like, oh, they did this to me. I'm gonna get them back, right? and that's and the, that's these are experiences that we have. Right? Anyone who's in a relationship knows that sometimes, you know, when there's the right thing to do, but you're in a fight, so I can't just you can't be the one to give in, or you can't you have you don't you're waiting for them to make the first move, you know, to mollify the situation. Right? This is that's a negative character. What do you mean? You're, you're taking revenge? You're acting, they did this to me, so I'm going to do that to them. That is, that's revenge. That's taking revenge. That's a negative character. Well, the current, the current is, you know, never take revenge. Just get even. Just get even. Yeah. Fair, what's fair is fair. Yeah, right. Yeah, but, but think about that. Think about how silly that sounds. Right? You have someone that you dedicated your life to, 
and they did something wrong, so I'm going to punish them. It's counterproductive. Then you're punishing yourself. And you're punishing yourself, and what you're doing is essentially kicking the can down the road, and you're providing ne- negative momentum to the relationship because relationships work work very much with trends, with momentum. You know, if things are going great, each one is willing to do for the other, and it gets even better and better. And when things are going, you know, heading downhill. Each one is trying to spite the other, and it gets progressively worse. So yes, you are you are kind of hurting yourself. Uh, but every single relationship, try to present me a scenario where a relationship um, it goes wrong, but and it's not character flaw. There could be terrible things that happen uh, to someone in their uh, health, God forbid, professional life, God forbid. Um, something happens, some accident, something. But that's not a cause for the relationship to go south. It's not. That may surface some negative character uh, that will, will, you know, will use the situation as an arena for, uh, for exercising negative character. And that will cause the, ne- the relationship to go south. You know what the number one reason why we polled what the number of, what people think is the number one reason why a relationship Financial? We put, it's, but, it's, but it's just like what you said. It just creates yes. a circumstance that causes this. Yeah, it's not a root cause. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, you know, uh, you know, this is a bad example, but uh, you know, if you're someone, God forbid, has cockroaches in their house, so there's two ways to go about it: either you take a shoe and start killing every cockroach, or you go to the mothership, you go to the nest, you find the nest, uh, you destroy the cause. Um, financial, uh, some financial uh, mishap, or right, that is. Not uh, it's a symptom. It's not a cause. So you can fix that, but then the the problem still exists. The problem is either they don't trust each other, or they're not honest with each other. But once again, not trusting, not being honest. Those are all negative character. So think about that. We could learn such a valuable skill. Think about what a skill still is. This is still that makes you a, a, a better parent. It makes you a better person. Like it makes you more likable. You know, someone who's Someone who's, who's humble, someone who's kind, someone who's caring, someone who doesn't get angry is a more likable person, make you better in your social life. But also, it's the key to having successful relationships. Think about what a valuable skill is to know how to address your own negative character, how to fix it. I once uh, I gave a class on this topic, and I called it the, uh, the alchemy of self-reinvention. Wow. Alchemy. You like that alchemy? You're taking lead, you're taking something mundane, you're taking something which is a, uh, an obstacle for you in life, and you're turning it into gold. Think about what kind of skill this is. You're able to take, if, would there be a more valuable skill than alchemy? We don't, I'm not trying to argue with alchemy is possible. There's no more valuable skill. In 1400, they got you beheaded when they found you transmuting uh, base metals into gold. They've done that. There's an example in a British museum now where there's a piece of iron plate and it's gold at the same time. They hadn't completed it. Uh, but anybody that caught, got caught making gold was got their heads cut off in the 14th century. Thank God we don't live in those times, huh? <laughs> I took a class um, several years ago um, from a guy here in town. His name is uh, Joel McDonald, but the name of his class was called um, Nonviolent Communication which I thought was a misnomer for what he taught, but um, because I, I don't think it really expressed what he was talking about. He came up with boxing gloves? No, um, but what he said was um, disagreements, whether they're marital or, 
or um, professional or professional or whatever. All disagreements stem from um, expectation. And it took me a long time to wrap my head around because I totally disagreed with the concept just in general. But the more I, I contemplated it, the more I, I came to understand that all disagreements are about expectation. And once I realized that my disagreements in life were about expectation as well, it helped me to understand um, why people don't measure up to my expectation or why I fell short to them. And it was all but about are you expectation. But are you trying to say that, hey, um, you know, don't, don't expect so much out of your life, out of your marriage? Yes. Uh, but I want to say, no, expect a lot. Expect the world. Because you could have the world. And right? if you don't it get provided, it. Provided that you have the positive character. Agreed. If you have, then if you have the great character, well, then you, you know, then you will have a great marriage. And if you don't have, you probably won't. You won't, probably won't have a great marriage. You know, I think I, I don't want to settle. We don't want to settle. We don't want mediocrity. Jeez. That's right. Right. We want to have it all, and we could have it all. I think we could have it all, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, but we're going to have to go through this process of uh, of of musar. So what I wanted to do today is that's why I think it's important. I think it's a very very valuable skill. And it can help us in a wide array of areas in our life. Uh, is it easy? Oh, what does that one think? Is it an easy thing to do? Mm-hmm. Not easy at all. In fact, uh, Rabbi, Sal- Rabbi Israel Salanter, who was the primary force of bringing Musar into the, uh, into the consciousness of the Jewish communities in the 19th century, he uh, once quipped that fixing, perfecting a single character trait, one, Someone's angry, making himself not, not angry, but fixing it via the Musa process completely uh, is harder than studying the entire Babylonian Talmud. <laughs> now, uh, you think about, well, okay, well, how big is a Babylonian Talmud? So it's 2,711 2, pages of highly, highly complex uh, Talmudical, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Is it, is it a fancy word to say, like, uh, debate? Not polemics. It's even a fancier word. Very, very difficult. It's not, like, there are some pages that are, you know, the, it could take you days to understand what the pages you're talking about. Very, very, very difficult. Uh, not many people in the world actually have finished the entire Babylonian Talmud. I have not. Uh, I don't know so many people that did. Uh, it's, so it's a monumental task, and if someone does it, it's incredible. It's taking so long. Well, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Um, but the point is, it's not. It's it's not. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not easy. Now, what he was talking about is actually perfecting and eliminating any trace of a certain negative character. And I think that also is also possible. What we're going to try to do today is to see a little bit of maybe that approach also of how to perfect and how to completely clear yourself, rid yourself of a certain character, but also other things that the Torah tells us about how to address negative character. Okay? Shall we? Okay, so let's start with the end of Genesis. Uh, we're all familiar with the story. We have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob has a bunch of kids. Uh, the young, one of the younger ones is a fellow by the name of Joseph. 
everyone here knows Joseph. Joseph was his favorite, and he gives him special clothing and special attention, and it raises the envy of Joseph's brothers, and they, get, they, want, they, they hatch a plan, and they send him to Egypt, and he goes to Egypt, and he ends up in prison, and he's, he takes over the prison, and he starts interpreting dreams, and really intelligent fellow. Eventually, he ends up uh, in, in front of Pharaoh. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh says, this guy's amazing. And he says, I want him to be part of my uh, parliament. And he becomes the second in command. And he, he starts organizing. He gets a ring, right? They, they make a parade. And Joseph is on top of the world. And his family is still in Israel. And eventually, uh, years later, there's a famine. His family meets him. He plays games with him, cat and mouse. Eventually, he reveals himself to them. And Jacob and his family all descend to Egypt. This is where the Jews start their Egypt uh, excursion, if you could call it that, or exile. Uh, they end up in Egypt. They live there for an additional, an additional like hundred years before the before the slavery starts. But um, seventeen years later, I believe seventeen years later, after after they arrive, uh, Jacob's about to die. <coughs> so what does Jacob do? Uh, this is all the way the very last chapters of Genesis. Jacob's about to die. He calls over or his, all his kids and says, I, "Children, I want to give you a blessing. Blessing." All the kids gather and Torah recounts the blessings that he gave to his kids. And at the end of it, it says, and this was the blessing that Jacob gave his children. Calls over the school, I'm going to give you a blessing. He gives a blessing one by one. And he, at the end, the Torah concludes it by saying, this was the blessing that Jacob gave his children. Now, if you were to analyze the blessing, starting with Ruvain, the oldest one, you'll have a major question. Right? What does he tell Ruvain? He says, Ruvain, you are my oldest child. You are my first strength. You are supposed to be the king. You are supposed to be the priest. But you were hasty like water. And therefore you won't have it. You won't be the king. You won't be the priest. Next. That's the end of uh, the, the Ruvain's blessing. Who's next? Shimon and Levi. Shimon and Levi. Right? The two brothers are lumped together. Shimon and Levi, he calls him in. He says, you guys have stolen the craft of murder, right? Uh, um, from Esau. Uh, and in your, it's very fancy, I don't know the exact words, but in your, uh, amongst your group, don't count my name. And he speaks very, very, negative, very negatively about them, about what they did. Uh, what did they do? Uh, when their sister Dina was kidnapped and raped, by a fellow by the name of Shechem, they went to his town and they slaughtered everyone. So they had this rage, and he tells them, you know what I'm going to do to you? I'm going to take you in Israel and scatter you. You guys are always never going to have like a home, and you're always going to be like traveling, peddling, wandering Jews. That's how it starts. And then it goes with Judah, and eventually finishes off with Benjamin. And concludes the Torah, this is the blessing that Jacob gave to his children. Wait a minute. Reuven, you were supposed to be the king. You were to be the king. You're the oldest one. Most responsible. You're the king. But now you don't have it. You're hasty like water. You were supposed to be the priest. Right? You lost that as well. Right? Kingdom goes to Judah. Priest that goes to, uh, to, to Levi. What? That's my blessing? Huh? Huh? How could that be a blessing? How could the Torah label that as a blessing? Shimon Levi, right? Jacob lambasts their character. Like, you, you guys are not acting the way I am. You're acting like my brother Esau. 
You slaughter a whole town. You have un uncontrolled rage. I'm going to scatter you amongst, amongst, uh, amongst uh, you guys will be the peddling uh, salesmen and, and uh, school teachers. You'll never be united as a group. How could that be a blessing? Because you're telling them their character flaws so that they can improve. Booyah! Booyah. Excellent. So my grandfather has a tremendous, uh, wonderful essay that he wrote about this. And he said that... In fact, what Jacob gave his children was the, great, the greatest blessing, we'll see why it's blessings, that a parent could possibly give to his child. Like this. We all have character flaws. Now, our character flaws really are our mission statements. Why? Because whatever character flaw we each have is what we need to work on in life. We have a mission here. We have negative character. We've got to fix it. The massive part of our individual responsibility is fixing our character. The problem is that most of us don't know what our character is. And in fact, it's much, much easier to diagnose someone else's negative character than it is to diagnose your own negative character. <laughs> and almost every time I talk about character in a class, uh, someone says, whoa, you're describing someone I know. How do I get them to fix it? Right? Never have I heard, oh, Rabbi, that's exactly me. That's my negative character. Why? Because we are each used to judging ourselves favorably, finding the positive in our own character, in our own, in our own activity, in our own behavior. But someone else, when someone else is something negative, it's very easy for us to, uh, to diagnose it. And it's ironic because you can only fix yourself, but you have a very hard time fixing others. And the reason behind this is because we are not used to thinking inwardly. Okay. Your senses are all directed at things that are outside of you. I don't see myself unless I'm looking in the mirror. Right? But I see you guys, and you guys see me. Right? I don't hear my own voice the way it is. I don't, I don't even heard of, like, a recording of my own voice. Mm -hmm. What does it sound like? What's the experience? I was listening to it alone. Has anyone here ever like heard like a voicemail of their own voice, and it sounds very like unsettling? It does to me. When I get my answering machine, I don't know. I think I sound wimpy or something. Oh no! Oh, there's nothing wimpy. No, absolutely. Let me be the first to bring you up to speed. No, but people, it's so bizarre. Like you hear your voice more than any other voice, and somehow it's like very. That's one, and it's you know, and it's it's also unsettling. What, what what's so unsettling about it? So I have a theory is that because um, we're not used to, or we feel very uncomfortable thinking about ourselves, right? judging ourselves, so to speak, and this makes it very hard for us to self-diagnose ourselves in our negative character. That's because we're looking at ourselves as it relates to the external um, what we see is, is normal really um, it isn't as difficult to diagnose yourself if you simply slow down long enough 
to tune in to that still small voice with inside you. It takes time and it takes effort, but it's not as difficult as you might think. It's just that we don't train ourselves from the time we're little, and we don't train our children to listen to their internal voice. Yeah, or you could say it this way, how, what percentage of your thoughts are directed at what I do, like thinking inwardly, self-analysis, and what percentage of it is about other things, right? Probably 99.99% is about other things. So therefore, and and, uh, the reason behind that is just A, we're not used to it, and B, it's very uncomfortable. Um, One qualifying factor, a physical factor that everybody can use when I point at you, there's three fingers pointing back at me. So you're angry. That's all you have is anger. Well, what about you? That's because you can't recognize it in himself until you first recognize it in yourself. Right. I think it's also a problem because once you recognize the flaw and you admit it to that flaw or that physical problem, then you need to change it. And then, and when that's, then that's what work. And that's what we, we want to avoid. That's exactly As humans, we want to avoid that at we all costs. And so, and then that's the struggle because then you have to go with trying to change and remembering to change and fussing at yourself. But yeah. you don't have to fuss at yourself. Once you recognize the character flaw that you see in another, you really recognize that that is your own shadow side. Mm-hmm. And once you bring your shadow side forward, it ceases to have the power over you that it did but, when you kept it right, hidden. Right, Instinct. Yeah, but I think we, uh, I think what everyone's saying here is is, is actually um, um, very much um, to the target. Um, but th- the problem is that we have a very hard time thinking about ourselves. The solution is well, it used to be that you had profits. Judaism is now a non-profit organization. We don't have any profits, um, and. <laughs> Uh, like, Do you but hear you, the language that you're choosing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a joke. Um, I've said it before. Uh, but it used to be that people would go to the prophet and ask him, what are my character flaws? What do I need to work on? And they would say, this, this, that. You know, like, pe- pe- Everyone thinks about prophets, like Samuel, like great prophet Samuel. Like, we think of him you know, in such a like, uh, esoteric or like mystical mythical light, but uh, when the King Saul uh, was uh, was told by Samuel that you're the king, he was actually coming over to Samuel to ask him where his lost donkey was. Like, it was a real thing. These people had a certain ability to like communicate to God, and therefore they had special insight. Uh, so they would tell you what your negative character flaws. We don't have that anymore. Now, uh, so what we need to do nowadays is to either, like what you said, right? Uh, um, and this is something that my grandfather writes extensively uh, about in uh, in one of his essays. He writes that he has actually has a, a seventy page in one of his books, seventy pages all about self diagnostication. How do you know what your character is? How do you develop a complete catalog of your positive and negative, uh, ne- negative character? In fact, what he's trying to demand of us is to know your best 
positive character and your worst negative character and your second best positive character and your second worst negative and have it just completely structured and organized and to know yourself so well that you could literally paint a picture of who you are as a spiritual individual. Top to bottom. Complete. Right? Is my anger worse than my impatience? Right? To us, we don't know because we're so not used to evaluating ourselves. Right? But nowadays, we're going to have to have a hard time. We're going to have to try to develop a system in self-identification. You know, self One of the theories that my grandfather pre presents is the idea of whatever negative character you see in others, that's indeed a reflection of your own personal negative character. So what he said is spot on. Booyah. Booyah. Uh, but uh, back, to, back to Jacob. Right. What Jacob is doing is he's giving them a description of their worst negative character. And for Ruvain, it was the fact that he was hasty. He didn't deliberate before he made decisions. He acted spontaneously. Right? And that what, what he essentially did for Ruvain is he told him what it is, the negative character, what it is you need to work on. That's the first thing he did for them. Uh -huh. He also gave him a way to work on it. Okay. How did he give him a way to work on it? By saying you're not going to become the king, you're not going to become the priest. He gave him a goal to reach for, to make, to try to become those things. Oh, so you're saying he did something else. His, and therefore work on his training. Work on it. My grandfather presents it a little bit, little bit of a different twist. He says what he did for him was he set them up in a way of life that he's going to avoid conflicts where his hastiness is going to be a problem. Right. What is the worst character trait for a king to have? Inability, Inability to make a decision. To, to be deliberate to in be decisions. Deliberate in right. decisions. Right. If you were just knee-jerk reactions to every, to every problem, right? If, if all the world leaders of the past hundred years had knee-jerk reactions to problems, we probably wouldn't be around anymore. There would be nuclear war, right? Some guy gets you mad, boom, let's, let's bomb him, let's nuke him. Well, a king has to be very deliberate. What he said to him is, not only am I going to tell you your, positive, your negative character, I'm also going to set you up in life in a way that you will avoid having to constantly have to deal with the struggle. That, you, know, you won't be the king. And that's a great blessing for you because you shouldn't be the king. You don't have the characteristics necessary uh, you know, to, to live that kind of life. Similarly, a priest, right? a priest, if so, a priest makes decisions on the fly, hastily, they're going to screw it all up. Your character is not compatible with this way of life. Right? I want to set you up in a way of life where you will avoid it. So I think this, uh, and similarly, Shimon Levi, right? What, this, what happened with Shimon Levi? What was the story? Their sister was abducted. She was raped. They were enraged. They slaughtered a whole town. A whole town. <laughs> right? They had a certain sense of family pride, family unity. If someone messes with my sister, I'm going to destroy them. Think about Sonny Corleone, right? Yeah, right. Sonny Corleone, right? Someone starts off with a family, right? Totally enraged and do things way out of proportion. They had a certain unco uncontrollable rage that was, ar was aroused when their family was uh, infringed upon. Right. 
And they also did it together. They had a certain mob mentality. Mob is not in the sense of the Napoleon But they were family. great planners. They were great manipulators. They had a lot of... That's, that's indeed true. Uh, but their most glaring, the most glaring negative character is that they use that for a terrible, terrible thing. Well, now and they knew how to get, uh, take. We all have our weaknesses. They played on human weaknesses, and that's how they got their money. It's as simple as that. Well, they didn't get any money. They didn't get any money, but they got a they got their revenge. revenge. But that's a negative thing. And Jacob lambasted them. He totally denigrated their decisions. And he said, but your decisions came because you guys uh, were able to, uh, you know, c- conspire to do something like, something like this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have you guys spread out amongst Israel. You'll, you'll always be traveling. You won't be able to, c- to conspire. You won't be able to work together as a team, as a, as a very dangerous tandem, to do terrible things. Once again, A, he revealed to them the negative character. B, he set them up, you know, in life in a way that will not bring that to the surface all that often. So, so, yeah, I'm listening. So you said this one is death dead. Um, how would you, prop- I mean, most, how would you propose, most people do not take uh, constructive criticism from others about their personalities as suggestions on how to improve very well at all. Why is that? Because, uh, first off, I, I don't think it's a secret to most people. I think if one is the slightest bit introspective, one knows their character flaws and doesn't need to hear it from other people. Uh, but why They know what works and what hasn't worked. Now, I'm not saying it's hard or difficult to improve, but they know going through life, this is holding, if they're the slightest bit introspective, they know the character flaws that they need to work on or that have held them back professionally or in their personal relationships. They don't need to hear it, nor do they want to hear it from family, friends, spouses, et cetera, et cetera. Well, maybe he told them on his deathbed because then they knew that it was not, he was not just trying to show them up. Rather, he was being genuine and trying to help them. Oh, I'm, it's very easy for somebody on their deathbed. And my point is, it's very easy for somebody on deathbed to throw out criticisms and suggestions and other things like that. He doesn't have, he, he's not going to have any further relationship with them. He's dead. But if I tell John what his, what I see is his character flaws and make suggestions as to what he needs to improve, we know how that's unlikely going to go down very well, okay? And I'm going to have, and I have one, and this is not a deathbed deal. I'm going to have to continue to work with John or Joe or whatnot. So I'm asking from a practical perspective, what what are you what do you propose? Oh, so okay, so um, the first thing, so let, so let, 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 let's just take a state a step back. The first two things that we learned are number one, you have to know what it is you're working on. If you're just totally clueless as to what it is, well, then you don't even know where to direct your energies. Uh, number two is that the easiest way to go about that is to just avoid it. Right? Avoidance it. Right? Don't, don't make this a constant conflict. If you know that uh, you have a certain uh, intolerance for, you know, people that don't do things exactly the way you like it, well, maybe you shouldn't be a manager of people because then every single day 
you're going to have this negative character flare up. <laughs> uh, but you're asking practically, so, um, you know, I, have, I had a friend uh, back in Yeshiva in Israel who once said to me that, uh, he pointed out one of my negative characteristics. Uh, and it's very painful. That wasn't know. a surprise to you. You knew that before he opened his mouth. Still, to hear from someone else. Who, need, who needs your character? No, uh, but I, I actually was very appreciative of it. Even as painful as it is, mm-hmm. you know, if you're trying, if, if this is something which is on your radar that you really want to know this, if you have the recognition of how valuable this information is, then even though it's painful, but you realize that it's gold. Um, and you realize that, yeah, it's painful, but why is it painful? It's only painful because I think I'm perfect. And now someone's telling me that I'm not perfect. But in reality, I know that I'm not perfect. We all know that intellectually. So let's, let, you know, let, let, let's stop uh, fooling ourselves and making believe that we're perfect and realize we're not perfect. We're here. If we were perfect, then there's no reason for us to exist. We're not perfect. We're here to perfect ourselves, but we need to know what to perfect ourselves. And if a friend tells me something, it's painful only because I have this fantasy of myself that I'm perfect. I don't, I don't agree with that at all. Who has a fantasy, I'm sorry, who has a fantasy well, about themselves that they're perfect? Uh, it might, it might not be a conscious I mean, fantasy. Everyone in this room, if they were to put together a piece of paper, I have no doubt could list the top ten character flaws that they know that they have, whether they've worked on them or they've unsuccessfully worked on them. Everyone, if they have the slightest bit of introspection, knows what is wrong with their character? Okay, they may David. not have the energy or the Let me ask, let, let, let's, let's spin it this way. Okay. Let's have everyone in this room and their spouse write that list. Means everyone write the list. Let's see if you write the list faster. Right? <laughs> could you write <laughs> could you write could you write your own neg- ten negative characteristics faster? Or could you wife write your own? Uh, Probably I, she could. And they would probably be totally different. And well, then maybe yes, yes, because so you're looking at it through the lens because, of expectation. Exactly, exactly. Lens of expectation or your own biased lens. Absolutely. So, yes, you might have some sense of your negative character, especially if it's something which is very, uh, if it's been exacerbated. Like everyone always tells you, why are you so X, Y, or Z? But it's, re- but, it, but if, Okay, that's first of all. Second of all, if you want to get a complete catalog, well, then you'll have to actually, not a little bit of introspection, you'll have to do a lot of introspection. Uh, but I also think that you're overestimating how well people know themselves. I don't think that people come up with a list so easily of 10, ten negative characters. And I think, pe- I think people can come up with 10 negative characteristics of their spouses much easier because they, they see from the outside, right? Yeah, uh, well, I think that sometimes I know my flosses, most of them I know, but sometimes they point out flosses that I have that I thought I was doing it right, that I was 
And sometimes, sometimes someone will say, uh, why are you so this? Or you have such a negative character. Oh, and you're so perfect? Huh? And you're so perfect? Right? That, that, yeah, that's the problem. Because, right? Well, it's different also <laughs> like, when you're asking Who are you to peer. start dishing out some... Uh, it's different when it's a peer that you're doing this reflective with. I think it's very different when it's a parent. A parent? Which is a parent. Uh, the child should know that the parent has, uh, has their best well, interest. Well, there's a... You would hope that you a would parent hope. would have their best interest well, at I heart. Think, I think a person can get angry or, or defensive when mm -hmm. somebody points that flaw out because right. we all want our friends and the people we love We're to seeking approval mm -hmm. of us. And so they see the flaw. They see it. And so then, then you know, everybody knows. You know, and it's the something that you're trying to... And I also think it's, it's, not, it's not healthy for someone to um, dwell on their own negative character. You know, we have such, we have so much, so much, uh, so much competition, and mm -hmm. you know, in, in our in our life that you, you like they say that the uh, kids, if they measure the self esteem of first graders and eighth graders, is like a just you know dramatic precipitous drop, because they're you know, and these are kids, you know, kids don't have the same headaches and burdens that adults have. Uh, yeah, some of them so are worse. Well, yeah, of course, but uh, but it's you know it's unhealthy for them to you know in school it, there's so much competition you know, amongst their social life. There's so much competition. It's you know to it'll just make it worse if they just oh the, you know the, the kids will say oh I, mean, I can't do this I can't do that I can't, I'm so this I'm so that and that's not healthy either. So um, we all do have the syndrome of you know, normalcy that we fall back on, especially older people. Kids today. Well, kids today don't have to worry about <laughs> the stuff. Hey, they, they, they'll be more resilient when these changes come because this is what's happening. Us, we had, well, that's the way we did it in the old days. In the old days, and all I that think sort they're going to be less resilient. I don't think they're going to be more resilient. I think they are. They'll be able to. Are you going to get to? So what? What? what Am I going to do slowly? Oh, <laughs> um, well, like, okay. I want to make sure we leave that. I know exactly how to do this. Yeah, oh, okay. 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 Um, Fix me. Fix yeah, Thirty minutes. Okay. So, so what's the linkage? Twenty nine. The bottom line. What's the linkage to Judaism? I mean, I go to a bookstore and buy a bunch of self help books. Yeah. What's, I, what's I, the linkage between the Torah and and these elements that will help me succeed? The Torah is the best okay. of these books, okay. uh, by far, obviously. Uh, and <laughs> no, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with buying a book like How to Win Friends and Influence People, which has, even though the title seems like a very selfish title, right? Uh, but I do think there are lessons you can learn from everywhere else. And we don't, we don't believe that the Torah is the only authority, the only source of, of self-help. Absolutely not. Uh, but the Torah does provide the best, the most comprehensive um, approach to character improvement. Now let's... Uh, uh, I want to transition to the next stage, uh, the next statement that we have from the Talmud, and the next tip, perhaps, of, of what to do once you know you have the next. Now, each one of these things could be like, uh, each one of these is enormous. I, 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 like, I like feel like, I feel guilty that we're going through this so fast. And I'm like, oh, come on, get, get along with it. But the whole idea of everyone having their own character. And I know I have two, two boys, uh, one's a, 
uh, one's six and one's four. And from the fact, from the point where they were little kids, I could see different character. Right? The, the Almighty crafted them differently. They have different character makeup. It's, it's the same. You would think it's similar genetics, right? The same parents and same environment. And like, for example, one of my kids loves to share. More precisely, he shares. And sometimes he shares and he's unhappy about it and he cries. But he has, a, God gave him the character, the positive character of giving up, of sharing. I'm going to guess it's not the first one. It right? is indeed, actually. Uh, and the other one doesn't like sharing. And even with his sibling, he doesn't like sharing. And doesn't, doesn't share. And it's, it's remarkable. Like, where did this come from? It's innate. It's inborn. This is the way the Almighty crafted them. This is their character. This is the way they were born. It's not something that developed. It, yes, it could develop. Uh, you could develop a negative character. And in fact, you could exacerbate um, negative character as well. Right? If someone is, uh, the older someone is, the longer they've been living with certain uh, character malady, yeah, the harder it is to change. Uh, so, and there's three different types of categories. There's, uh, there's, three, two, there's three different categories of characteristics. You know, there's characteristics that uh, are interpersonal between person and person, which is what we typically think when we talk about character. There's character between man and oneself. Developing character of how to, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa what was that? Right? There are three kinds of relationships that people have in this world between man and man, right? man and his fellow, man and oneself, and man and God. Each one of these relationships have their own set of characteristics. Right? And each, it's, it's, it's three different realms of our character buildup. And perhaps the way you deal with one is maybe not the same way you would deal with others. Either way, let's move on to the next thing. So uh, if we are to somehow come up with a way to figure out what it is we need to work on, first thing we would try to do is try to avoid it. Right? If you're going to be an angry person every time X happens, we'll try to avoid X. And that's the easiest way to try to deal with it. You're not fixing it, but it's not being surfaced every, you know, every five minutes. What's the next thing you can do? The next thing you can do is to channel it. Channel it. And what do I mean by channel, channeling it? So we have a very insight. I don't know what, it was, what is going on out there. We have a very insightful Talmudic statement in Tractate Shabbos 156a. And it says, someone who's born under the horoscope of Ma'adim is going to be a blood spiller. Hmm? Blood spiller. Someone is born is going to be a blood spiller. However, he can choose if he's going to be a robber murderer or he's going to be a surgeon or he's going to be a butcher or he's going to be a mohel. A what? Mohel. Mohel is a, it's someone does circumcisions. The same characteristic, the same desire to have to see blood, you know, you see this in kids, you know, there's, there's always those kids who like taking off the legs off the daddy lawnlets, like, there's those kids who like that. Uh, some of us find it very queasy, right? but some kids like that. That's the way the Almighty made them. That's their character. However, what they do with their character, how they, uh, how they exercise it, that's up to them. You could use it. For a very pod, for a mitzvah, you could be a surgeon and just love slicing up people and helping them, fixing them up, right? Or being a mohel, right? Using it for a positive outcome. 
or you can use it for a neutral outcome. Be a butcher. Right? Always be dealing with meat and slicing up animals and people like that, I guess. You know, it's, yeah. it's a certain fulfillment of their need, of their need for, for, for blood. Or you could choose to use it for a negative thing, to be a robber murderer. Point being is that our characteristics, while being inborn and oftentimes immutable, do not necessarily mean that we have to be to use it for bad. We could perhaps use it for good. I'm an angry person. Very angry. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make angry blog posts and angry letters and angry videos and be angry towards evil. So I'll be angry at people that, uh, that, you know, that, that hurt others. I'll be angry at uh, Hamas. Um, I'll be angry at people that are bad. So that's a very, very good outlet for a very, very potentially fatal, uh, damaging characteristic. You know, if someone has rage, you know that I had a, I had a, I have a brother who, uh, when he was a teenager, he had like a lot of rage, a lot of like energy, like pent up energy. So what do my parents do? They bought him a punching bag, and every time a punching bag, like a punching bag. So. Every time he would have his like, you know, he need to let up, you know, let up, let up some energy. He would go downstairs to the basement and just, you know, for ten minutes, just slam away at, you know, at the punchy bag. That's a very, very healthy outlet for your very, very bad character. Are you fixing your character? No. But what you're doing is you're channeling it either for a positive outcome or for a neutral outcome. Just because you have a negative character, you need to have your anger. You need to have let you know. You need to be do it in a way that's not going to be damaging to you to other people, and perhaps even find a way to try to channel that to something positive. You know, let's see what else. You know, we have. And the last thing, let's say someone really, really wants to go big. Someone says, you know what? I really want to fix my character. I know what it is. I try to avoid it when possible. I try to channel it for good or at least for neutral. I really want to fix it. Now, I had a debate with someone. um, Debate that I had, like, um, is there something wrong? But yet, does the Torah demand of us to not have negative character or to not act upon negative character? For example, someone could have anger but not express it. Now, obviously, it's better to not express it than to express it. That being said, is someone mandated to fix it or provided that they don't act upon it, that's good. That was a debate I had with someone. Uh, I took the position that, no, we are obligated to actually eradicate it, to fix it. Right? We have to have good character. And he took the position that, no, we, all we need to do is just don't act upon it. Well, that's right. All we, get angry, yes, but sin not. Or, that if, the, if the tenet is within you, it will come out. 
Well, that, that's a practical argument. Sure. You're saying that, well, if it's there, you can't cover it up forever. You know, it'll find it its way of exposure. It will find its way of expression. And usually if, you, if you, somebody has anger issues, if they cannot find a way to get it out, then they will become depressed. Become depressed. Because anger and depression are the flip sides of the same coin. But don't all of these character flaws in some circumstances are necessary or good? I mean, I could see anger on a daily basis is bad, but anger in self-defense to defend oneself uh, from a robber murderer is actually a good characteristic yeah. in that specific circumstances. So to completely eliminate these from one's uh, personality or character, I don't know if that's such a good idea. Some of these you may want very, very limit in very, very limited circumstances, but. What's interesting is Maimonides, Maimonides writes um, unbelievably, an unbelievable um, description of how of character. And he says that there's a certain balance, a certain spectrum within which, like there's the there's someone who's very uh, someone who's very spendthrift and someone who's very you know thrifty or or cheap. One of the fancy word for cheap is uh, someone who's very angry, someone who's very docile, someone who's very impatient, someone who's very patient, like. And what we have to be is, is balanced, right in the middle, right? Be balanced, to be healthy, to be normal, be balanced. Uh, but there's one, there's only, and that would, that would seem to be in line with what you're saying. Uh, he says that there's only one character that you have to totally get rid of, and that is, uh, and that is haughtiness, arrogance. There's never a kosher expression of arrogance. That's what he, that's what he writes. Uh, that's something you have to be totally humble. Uh, but yes, I, I do think that there's uh, that what you're saying is is correct. Um, but but let's say if whatever the healthy balance is, that's where you're supposed to be. You have to eradicate all the negative anger. That's what we need. Um, but how do we do? How do we go about doing that? Oh, I was going to add. So it's like control. You can have those things as long as it's controlled. Or it's 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 measured. It's 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 right. It's it's it's, it's what you need. So how do you do that? So let, let, we could start with that Maimonides. So he says what you need to do. This may sound very, very simple, even though it's actually not so easy to do. If you, let's say, let's take anger or, or, or humility, right? It says you have to be totally humble, right? Or you have to be totally, uh, you have to be right balanced with your anger. What do you need to do? You have to act in a way that's not angry. The way to change negative characters is by attrition. If I am a lazy person, but I act in a, you know, in, uh, with alacrity, not with laziness, what I'm essentially doing, I'm weakening this instinct towards anger, uh, towards, towards laziness. If you have an instinct, but you act against it, the next time it's much easier to do that. Right? The easiest example for this is dieting. Right? You know, when someone diets, they're avoiding a certain food, that they're used to having, they suddenly have this crazy desire for it. Right? But over time, that lessened, right? that lessens. Why? Because you get used to it. You know, when you quit smoking, right? The first couple of days are, are terrible. Why? Because you have a certain dependence for it. But at, progressively, it gets easier and easier. Why is that? Because that instinct gets weakened. Think of an instinct as something that needs to be fed. You have an instinct for anger, right? If that is not nourished with anger, then it gets weakened. So how do, you, how, how do you withhold nourishment to your instinct for anger? You don't give it to it. 
you act in an, angry, uh, in a non-angry fashion. If you if you're an angry person, you act you you forty days, you never get angry once, right? You want to look look back at your character. Now it's it's different. Yeah. You changed. And and uh, we have um, the the first documented uh, description of of evolution is actually in Jewish sources. In the 13th century, we have the Rabbeinu Nissim, Rosh Hashanah, in the book he writes. He talks about character, and he gives it a physiological element. He says that um, there's a certain balance. Of what he calls them secretions within a person. There's the red, there's the yellow, there's the black and the white, and and a person's uh, character makeup is is dependent on the balance of these four things. If someone has lots of red, for example, lots of rage, lots of anger, and he says when you act in an unangry fashion, you are shrinking, you are diminishing this particular physiological element that you have within yourself. It becomes less. You're actually changing. You are your your DNA, so to speak. And not only that, if you started off with lots of red content and you worked in it and you diminished it, your kids—it's hereditary. Your kids are going to be also affected affected by that, and they will be you know have less of a tendency towards towards anger. You know, we sometimes see you see families the parents are very excitable and the children are very excitable. I see those other families with the you know parents are very calm and very easygoing and very you know just more toned down and their kids are also calm and easygoing and toned down. You know, there's a family that came over to us for lunch yesterday, and I always uh, it's one of my one of my good friends in the neighborhood. He actually was he was in New York for Shabbos, so I invited his family over uh, for lunch, a Saturday lunch, and I always tell him that in his house it's so noisy, so noisy. His, his daughter, like all the time, you just hear them turning the pages of their book. You know, every, every half a minute, you hear, you hear them turning the pages of the book. It's just so noisy. The joke I made you with him. says, because his kids are so calm and so even keeled that, like, they just want to sit down, like, quietly, you know, like this, and just, you know, read books. And they're happy, you know. But you look at the parents. The parents are also very calm. Yeah. Uh, Point being is that it's a real thing, right? If you, uh, it's it's uh, it's it, you know it's physiological. If you have a certain character and you act in a way that's contrary to that character, it's going to affect who you are, but also who your kid your kids are. Uh, I have a great story. My favorite story of all time is uh, the story of Rabbi Israel Swanson. We mentioned him earlier. Uh, he was the one who claimed that to actually fix a character. Uh, Completely affect a character. It's harder to do that than to finish the entire Babylonian Talmud. But there's this amazing story about him, which I think is illustrative of this whole process of uh, perfection by attrition, right? Right. Constantly going against something as a method to fix it or to change it. So Rabbi Salanter, whose dates are 1817 to 1883, uh, Lithuania then Germany, he was a smoker. Now, suddenly you say someone's a smoker, you're like, wait a minute. Does he know that smoking causes cancer? Well, actually, the Surgeon General warning for that came in 1964. 
how people were smoking for hundreds of years before that. It's very commonplace. You people smoking indoors. Like the whole idea of like to us, like you see, you watch an old movie, you see people smoking indoors. Like what is going on? You know, like the Curious George, the original Curious George, the, the guys smoking a pipe, right? And like you look at the new Curious George, you'll never see that because that's like you know that like makes it an R-rated uh, book. <laughs> Anyhow, um, so he was a smoker, and uh, one time he woke up in the middle of the night. I might have said this story, and I did, yeah. Uh, and I'll say it again. <laughs> he wakes up in the middle of the night, and he wants a cigarette. Problem is, he doesn't have any cigarettes. And the only place he can get a cigarette is about a mile away. He doesn't have a car. Cars weren't invented yet. So he has basically two options. Either he could go back to sleep and get the cigarette tomorrow, or he could walk there and get the cigarette now. Which do you think he chose? Well, we already know. He... <laughs> Who knew that the grocery store would be open in the middle of the night? But lucky for him. Which one did he choose? He walked to the store. But he didn't get the cigarette. But he didn't get the cigarette. Everyone remembers the story. <laughs> I love it. My favorite story of all time. Right. He says, if I go to the store, I have an instinct. My instinct is I need a cigarette. I have another instinct is that I am lazy. I want to go back to sleep. It's more of a night. If I go to the store and buy a cigarette, I am essentially nourishing my negative character, my desire for a cigarette. However, if I go to sleep and say, I'll deal with it tomorrow, who wants to go to the store? I'm essentially nourishing, feeding, exacerbating, right? augmenting my negative character, my desire for laziness. Right? I don't want to get up all the night and go for a walk for a mile. Either way... I'm going to feed my negative character. So what he decided to do was to walk to the store but did not buy the cigarette. So he walked to the store and said, I'm not lazy. I'm not going to go to sleep. It's the middle of the night. I'm still going to walk to the store. He gets to the store and says, I'm not going to buy a cigarette. I'm not going to it's my other instinct of, 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 of having this temptation. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to buy a cigarette. I'm going to walk back. So that what he's teaching you how to do is how to engage with your character. You have certain things that you want, more precisely. You have instincts that are commanding you like as if you're a thing on the Xbox machine. They're telling you where to go. Move here, move there. Get a cigarette. Do this, do that. You're being pulled here and there and everywhere with your instincts. You're not in control. Control is a very good word that we used earlier. You're not balanced. What you need to do to get control, to get balanced, to perfect your character, is when you're instructed by your instinct to do X, act this way, right? be lazy, right? be angry, be impatient, be insensitive, right? You're going to say, no, 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 no. That's actually not what I'm going to do. And it's not going to be fun because going against your instinct is never fun. Because that's the definition of an instinct, something that you want to do, you want to do it. You feel like that's the right thing to do, so to speak. Right? It's built in within yourself. And that's why it's so hard to do it, so much so that it's even as hard as finishing the entire Talmud. But if you're aware of your negative character, and you see it flaring up, and you say, I want to fix it, what you do is you don't dig into it. You do the opposite. You act in an unlazy fashion. What you're going to do is you're going to make it that the next time that you face this challenge, it's going to be a lot easier. Why? Because that instinct is a lot weaker. Those secretions are more balanced. And then 
change your own perspective and you can say, well, you know what, I handled it that flaw. I did good this time. Maybe the next time you didn't handle it so good. So then you can say, I didn't handle it so good. Why didn't I? And so then you can just go on from there and see. Then you can avoid or you can work on or you can channel different ways to try to. Mm -hmm. But also, it's it this process. It doesn't sound like it's so. It sounds very simple, very very intuitive. Uh, but it unlocks for you um, an ability to just take whatever you you know your life and just magnify it. What I mean, um, you know, the idea of willpower. Well, willpower is, right, if you boil it down to its roots, willpower is when the human has the ability to go against his instinct. Then the person's in control. The person's in the driver's seat. Right? Uh, the reason why it's so rare people to have willpower is because people are not accustomed to going against their instinct. Your instinct wants this, and you go against it, you're developing another muscle, which is called the willpower muscle, which is this ability to go against your instinct. So not only are you fixing your character, you're also developing this other character, which is going to have very far-reaching consequences, positive consequences across your life. Because this in itself is another characteristic. That is the ability to go against your character, against your instinct. That's what we call willpower. And this, once you have that, it's a, it's, it's a, uh, it's a gateway character. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a gateway character because it enables you to have so many other things. Once you have this ability to go against your instinct, then a whole other a whole arena of, of other uh, um, opportunities in life are unlocked before you. So, so that's that. Um, so the more that we're in balance, and the more that we have control over ourselves, and we are more perfecting our uh, negative things that are wrong with us, then we'll have more peace and more happiness. Because and more, more balance. Well, you'll have less conflict. We ran through this very quickly, uh, but I also think that it's important to just make a note that we are, whenever we're engaging in character perfection, there are some dangers we're going to face. What are those dangers? So the first danger is the idea of backlash. Uh, you say, I want to be in control. I want to go against my instinct. I want to have the willpower. So I'm not going to have sugar for a month. And day three, day four, you're like exploding inside. Before you know it, you go on, on this binge. And not only do you just eat some sugar, you eat a lot of sugar. In fact, you submerge yourself in a vat of sugar. And you're, ah, right? <laughs> and that, and that, that, that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. Because when people try to do this, and they try to do it too much at once, mm -hmm. it's going to have a backlash, a kickback effect. Because your instinct is a very, very, very formidable foe. It's very powerful and it's very entrenched within yourself. So if you underestimate and say, oh, I'm going to go against my instinct, sure. Right? What you're going to do is you're going to, it's going to spring back against you. One of the uh, great sages compared it to a spring. So it's like, if you push too hard against a spring, it's going to shoot that much further. If you just give it a little push, slowly, slowly, like, uh, bite-sized pieces, that's the way to have true change. Mm -hmm. so that's the first thing you have to be very aware of. Don't try to accomplish too much at once. Uh, my grandfather likened it to um, and this, in, during the 67 war um, 
he was on a military aircraft flying over Egypt. And he says that he like looks out the window and he sees like we're flying like several meters off the ground. Why would you fly? So he asked the pilot, why are we flying so low? He says, because the Egyptians have a radar. And the radar would pick you up if you, you're, you're higher. Well, they'll come after us. You fly very low, you fly under the radar. So he says, ah, this is how you train yourself. You have to fly under the radar. Don't go too big. Don't try to. Don't be too bombastic about your about, about your self help. And you, you know, you, you, I'm changing myself. I'm doing it all right. Be very uh, modest about it. Right? Fly underneath the radar. That's the way to have true uh, to, to not be picked up, quote unquote, by the uh, uh, by the radar of your instinct. If you're if you're trying to take your instinct and go, go you know, go to have a you know a, a muscle uh, measuring competition, he's probably going to win. You go slow, uh, then you go big. So that's the first thing to be aware of. Second thing to be aware of is the fact that every time someone works on their character, any characteristic that it may be, invariably they're going to start feeling better about themselves. Anytime someone says, "I'm," anytime someone's on a diet, they start. There's the danger they're going to start judging other people that are not on diets. Like you see someone by the candy aisle, like just loading up their cart. You're like, "Why is that?" Like. Does the person not know that, like, uh, your health and, you know, and your nutrition and your fitness, look at that, but look how large that person is. Like, why are they in the candy aisle? You know, that's a very negative character. So you may be succeeding in your one area of your character, but you may be regressing in another area. And who knows if the benefits are going to outweigh the drawbacks of becoming a more judgmental, haughty, arrogant person. So you have to always be aware that when you're growing in a certain area of your character development, make sure that you realize, you keep your humility um, as a priority. And don't take that and say, oh, I'm so much better than everyone else. I'm working my character. 99% of everyone is not working their character. Look at me. Right? If you start thinking less of other people, thinking higher of yourself, and that's very bad and sometimes the uh, drawbacks will outweigh the benefits. So to quick recap, um, all of Musar in an hour and a half, recap it. Right? What we really essentially have here is five ideas. Idea number one, well, six ideas. We talked about the imperative, why it's important. Uh, someone perfects their character, it's better for them in their personal lives, in their relationships, in their professional lives, and it's a mitzvah. And it's ob- obligatory to Jews. Uh, so how do you go about that? That's point number one. Point number two, how do you go about that? Well, first you've got to know your character. Right? It's very valuable information. In fact, it's the greatest blessing you can have, as hard as it, as it is to swallow, but it's a great blessing to have because now you know it is your responsibility in life. That, that's what Jacob gave his kids before he died. The greatest blessing that a parent could possibly give his child. Know what you need to work on. You know what you need to work on. Well, what should you do? Avoid it. Don't, don't, make, your, don't make it something that, that comes to the surface every day. If you're going to, uh, you're going to be, a, you know, if, if you're a hasty person, don't be a king. That's, that shouldn't be what your, uh, what, what your career choice is. Next thing is, well, you have a negative character, try to channel it. If you're, the, if you're the guy who likes blood spilling, well, become a mohawk, become a, become a surgeon, become someone who has a kosher or even a mitzvah outlet for the negative character. You want to go big? Perfect your character. How do you perfect your character? Perfection by attrition. Go against it, right? Weaken 
your instinct. But don't be too aggressive. Because if you're too aggressive, if you try to do it all overnight, you're probably going to have the backlash. You'll have the spring. You're not flying under the radar, and you're probably going to lose. So that's Musar on uh, in an hour and a half. We see... Uh, what does that word stand for? Musar. Musar is... Discipline. Discipline uh, or uh, self-judgment, self-criticism even. Be critical, not necessarily in a negative sense, but to be... You know, to be aware of, you know, of, of, of your character, Musar. And uh, that's that. And we will be meeting again, not next week, next week's Memorial Day. Can I say yeah. one more thing? Yes, absolutely. Okay. The smoking business. You know, you, I know this person that they gave up smoking for 20 years. They smoked and they gave up 20 years ago.